0: This week on Recruitment Flex, Shelly has always been an influencer. Now people are starting to take notice. Is TikTok Vive of fame worth it? We
1: recap on the top recruitment trends for 2024. Cheer off with my dad and Shelly starts right now. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge.
0: And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now.
1: Bonjour and welcome to the Recruitment Flex. I am currently sitting with one of the top 24 HR influencers in 2024, (laughs) Shelly Billinghurst. Shelly. Serge. How are you doing?
0: (laughs) I'm doing great. Thank you. I'm still reeling from seeing that top 24 people to watch in 2024 is to follow or something like that, right? Those to watch. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And I have to say, Serge, that of course, they give credit to you in the blurb. And rightfully so. Because even when I think about how my company has evolved over the years, I give credit back to you. You know, a lot of where I am today, you were the genesis of the idea. Keep going. Keep going. I like all of it. It's true. It's true. I think we're an incredible team together.
1: Yeah. Well, it's definitely well-deserved, Shelley. One of the things that I'm going to call out to you, though, is like the top 24 HR influencers to follow or to watch. So you better start posting more than <laughs> once a year. Uh, you better start putting some thought leadership out there.
0: Yeah, the what's expectation just went up. But you know, what's interesting is I have this whole library of blog articles that I wrote for years. There was like 110 when I finally stopped writing them. And when I look back on those, search, holy smokes, a lot of things haven't changed. Articles around job seeker experience, articles around writing your job description in context of what somebody, find attractive about doing this work. And a lot of those are from 2014, 15, 16. Shelly, congrats. It's well-deserved.
1: I'm sure you're going to make a ton of these lists. And one day, one day, my name is going to come up, but I'm going to live <laughs> vicariously through you, Shelly, for now, until I make these lists. Mm. Another thing that I know is, Shelly, I'm on LinkedIn quite a bit. And what I've seen is, a lot of people are starting new jobs, which is a normal occurrence usually mm-hmm. when it comes to January. Mm-hmm. But I honestly did not expect it this year. Every time I log in, there is four or five people celebrating new
0: jobs. Have you been seeing the same? I have. I have. And we're only like the third week of January. Here's the first thing I think of is if you're announcing you change jobs, the third week of January, you gave two weeks notice. That means you were interviewing in November and December. Yeah. November and December, it's a really easy time to step away from your desk, leave early, make excuses. It really holds to what we advocate for every year is you need to get on this. You need to be recruiting and interviewing in November and December. Things don't stop. And that's evidenced by how many people change jobs.
1: Yeah, no, very good advice. I think we've been talking about this for a long time is definitely... November, December are really good months because to your point, you can get them in the door. You can interview them. There's less questions on the other side while you're leaving for a day. What really encourages me, Shelley, though, maybe what we're hearing in the labor market is actually not real. Obviously, some people are finding jobs, really good jobs from what I can see. So I think there's going to be a lot happening in the next couple of months when it comes to employee movement. The other time that people are switching jobs quite a bit, and maybe this It's just in sales, but it's the last pay of January, which usually you're paid your commission for Q4 and and any year-end bonus. So we might start seeing quite a bit of that in mid-February.
0: Good connection. You're absolutely right. I won't start my new job until I've got my Christmas bonuses in the bank or last year's bonus. Yeah, good
1: point. Yeah, 100%.
0: So, Shelly, how about we jump into news? All right. Right around this time every year, Glassdoor publishes their list of best places to work. What caught my eye was the one for the US of the top 10 companies to work for. Something that struck me was who's not on the list that you would expect? The mm. FANG companies. Meta or Facebook isn't on the list, HubSpot. Google is not on the list of best places to work. And do you know who replaced them? In-N-Out Burger. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't believe it. I'm like, really? Yes, In-N-Out Burger has a 4.6 rating on Glassdoor. And they made the top 10. The other one is ServiceNow. I, I have a family member who works in senior leadership at ServiceNow. And they're really a good company to work for. Really good company just in terms of how they treat their internal employees. How about we highlight the top 10? So
1: Bain & Company was at 4.8. Yeah. Nvidia 4.7, ServiceNow, Matworks, Procore Technology, In-N-Out Burger, VMware, Dell Tech, 2020 Companies and Fidelity Investments. Mm-hmm. And Shelly, these lists are always bullshit. And I'll tell you why in my mind they're bullshit when it comes to the best employers. There's one thing that makes it that companies are considered top employer and that one thing and this is why this list changes is companies that are winning right now companies that are doing really well it hides a lot of the flaws even though everything it might be chaotic there might be a lot going on they're loving working there because the company is killing it and i think the perfect evidence of that is NVIDIA. NVIDIA right now is probably the hottest company in the world. For those that don't know, they do a lot of the chips for AI and they are extremely dominant in that space. So they weren't on the list when NVIDIA was not killing it like they're killing it right now. Like if you go through the list... That's the one thing that I can see. These companies are all doing very well financially, which is correlating to their employees thinking it's a great place to work. That is why Meta is no longer there. That's why Google's no longer there. It's not that they're doing bad financially, but the minute you start having a downturn and you start doing layoffs, people start feeling completely different about the company they're working for. And I can guarantee you if Meta or Google hadn't done the layoffs that they have, they would still be in the list.
0: Yeah. Meta and HubSpot didn't even make the top 100. Yeah, absolutely right. Crazy, yeah. You're absolutely right, because it is an overall employee satisfaction score where things like compensation, culture, diversity and work life balance. And so if you're going to do layoffs, do one and make your press announcement, and then start healing from that. But when you're doing rolling layoffs like more than once a year, it's brutal. It's brutal on your corporate reputation. So you're absolutely right. That is exactly why. And I
1: think layoffs are one factor too, but employees know when they're doing well and when they're not hitting their quarterly numbers as a company. Like All of this cascades down being like, oh, is it a great place to work? We've got all this pressure and and Mm then... Not hitting quarterly numbers, managers become way more intense, senior leadership becomes way more intense, it's no longer fun. And if you think about the places that you've worked that you really enjoyed and why you really enjoyed it was you were doing really well as a company mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. as a department or something specifically that you were winning and that just gives you a high that you forgive all the other shit that comes with it. So I think this list will rotate. Like I expect NVIDIA to be there for a long time, mm-hmm. but the minute they get in a position that, okay, we're struggling a little bit, they won't be on the list anymore. Like you can't tell me Makes a sense, company yeah. like Bain and company is that great. A place to work. I, I'm just not buying. it. Obviously the rating is showing differently, but I I think it really is. They're killing it. They're doing really well.
0: Good point. So Shelly, have you been on TikTok lately? No, I don't go on TikTok on a regular. But speaking of layoffs, I know what you're referring to. Yeah, <laughs> it's gone viral. Yeah. So
1: Brittany Pietsch has gone viral because she posted a TikTok video showing her layoff Where she received little explanation from HR. So in the video, two HR representatives named Rosie and Dom informed (laughs) Piesh that she is being laid off for not meeting expectation despite her claims of high activity and positive feedback from her manager. So she challenged the reps to provide a genuine reason for her termination. This was a nine minute video. And if you've watched it, I, did, it's, yeah. um, I came away with a lot of different feelings from it. Mm. So before we dive in a little bit deeper, what mm. was your original thoughts of watching this video?
0: So I did watch the whole nine minutes and it became really obvious to me why she was being let go. She found a way to challenge them without, you know, I I think to the untrained ear, you may be like, oh, she's right. She's right. But you and I both know, like I was in sales for 11 years and I don't care what the reason is. If you're not making your numbers, you are not performing. And she was not listening to what they were saying. This was a termination for non-performance. And Serge, I don't know about you, but most sales managers are trained to give employee feedback in what I'd call the shit sandwich. You say something nice, you give them the bad news, and you close with something nice. Because the ego of a salesperson is very delicate. And I think most sales managers know that, right? You don't want to deflate someone, but you need to get the message across. All she heard was all the positive from her manager. Now, you and I both know, if you're not making your number, you know it. You know it. If you're not performing, you're not performing. She knew damn well that she did not hit her numbers. She had every excuse, which is why you let people like her go. If you let her stay for another year, she would just come up with more and more excuses of why she's not selling, why she's not closing business doesn't matter. Does not matter.
1: I think you nailed it to the entrained year. It, it feels completely unfair. And there's a couple of things that Cloudflare mm-hmm. definitely missed out on. And one of them is not having their direct manager on the call. We still don't know the reason. Maybe he got fired or she got fired. And there might be a valid reason. But I think that's where they really screwed up is having two HR people that she doesn't know, And not her manager. I personally think that anytime that you're getting laid off, it has to come, or at least your direct manager has to be on the call or face-to-face, in my opinion. But you are right in the sense that there's a couple of warning signs when I'm listening and I'm putting myself in the shoes of that sales manager or that organization. She said, I've had three contracts out, done a really great job managing my deals up until the very end that... They decided not to close at last minute. So I don't think that makes a lot of sense for me in my Cloudflare journey here so far. Okay. You've been four and a half months. You haven't closed a deal and that you had three contracts out. Like she said, I've done a great job at managing my deals up until the very end. Okay. As a manager, a sales manager, I don't care how well you manage your deals. If they don't close, you did not manage those deals well at all. I think her perception was completely inaccurate. Like at the end of the day, salespeople get paid to close deals, not to manage the process, like managing the relationship, updating your client, all of this. But until you close the deal, all of it is worthless and i don't think she realizes that i think she is deeply flawed so she did get fired for performance but should they even then mention performance in this particular case isn't it a lot easier just to let her go i know in canada we rarely talk about performance when it comes to layoff because that opens up a whole other web of things were they
0: inaccurate in doing that So I don't recall them saying she's being laid off. She's being let go. It's very different. So if you're letting go, you've got a sales force of, say there's a thousand sales reps and you know what to expect in the first 120 days in terms of performance, right? This is not a small organization with a team of 10, right? It's not. They've got lots of information. And the other thing that I thought too though, Serge, was honestly, why was she recording it? She knew what was coming. So she's recording it knowing that she's about to get let go. And she is locked and loaded, man. She is gonna try and fight this tooth and nail, which is probably the reason they're letting her go to begin with. Yeah. (laughs) Like it's embarrassing. I, I felt bad for her only because it's so embarrassing.
1: I agree. So the CEO of Cloudflare, Matthew Prince. Had a comment on it. So the video is painful for me to watch. Mm -hmm. Managers should always be involved. HR should be involved, but it shouldn't be outsourced to them, he wrote. No employee should ever actually be surprised they weren't performing. We don't always get it right. And sometimes underperforming employees don't actually listen to the feedback (laughs) they've gotten before we let them go. Importantly, just because we fire someone, doesn't mean they're a bad employee i think it's a fantastic statement from the ceo i, I, I think agree. he called out something that probably happened without calling it out she has probably received a ton of feedback like you said in that sandwich and she only heard the good thing she did not hear the middle the meat in here mm-hmm. and i think that's what the ceo is referencing to the other thing that he pointed out i think the manager outsource it to hr i think that's blatantly what he's saying right here. Like the manager of this particular person did not want to do it. So they outsourced it.
0: And I would then take it one step further search. The reason is they just had four and a half months with her arguing, making excuses. She's combative. She always thinks she's right. Sorry. And I I may get canceled for this, but I saw her behavior as narcissistic. You will never Mm. tell her she's wrong. She will never back down. And that is the perfect opportunity to bring in two HR reps because you're never going to win. It would turn into a, but you said this, but you said this, but you said this. And I think that manager was probably savvy enough to say, it is pointless for me to be on the call. Like I just spent four months with this person and she just will never let it go.
1: You know what? That's a really good perspective. I think that is probably the case. close it off. I feel bad for her because I don't think she realizes what the potential impact of this is going to be because she is all over the internet. You Google her name, which is how I found a lot of these articles. So imagine yourself as a potential employer and watching that video. No way. I am not hiring her. It would be my gut instinct. I don't know if your gut instinct would be the same. But she potentially has hurt her employment
0: opportunities, maybe forever. I agree. Certainly any sales roles. (laughs) I think she might find herself pivoting (laughs) to a different type of work.
1: Yeah, we'll see her recruiting in a couple of weeks. So that's her next pivot. Shelly, how about we (laughs) jump to the tip of the week?
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Your tip of the week is brought to you by Plum. Plum knows that when people flourish, businesses thrive. Using science-backed insight, Plum aligns human potential with job needs, allowing you to build high-performing teams from a single platform, ideal for improving hiring choices, identifying future leaders, and offering personalized career advice. Plum supports the entire employee journey from hire to retire. Discover more at Plum.io. Tip of the week. I found this one pager on LinkedIn from Adriano Herdman. And it is absolutely spectacular. He calls it the interview cheat sheet. And it's meant for your hiring managers. And it is so good. I absolutely love the advice on how to prepare for an interview. The vast majority of hiring managers, they look at their watch and realize, I've got an interview. And they literally get up from their desk and go to the interview room. No preparation, Mm -hmm. no review. Have they even read the job posting or the job description from when they first posted it two months ago? Probably not. So really good. I'd highly encourage everyone, if you haven't developed one, then take a look at this.
1: I think we have to go a little bit more in depth because it's so good. I recommend everyone to follow this gentleman, Adriano Herdman. He has a new one today that's actually fantastic. It has a pre-interview checklist with the key points they have to look at. There's interview no-nos, and I think we've all done that with our hiring managers. Make sure you don't do this based on what you've done in the past. Top tips, post-interview, how you reflect, the interview phase, how much time you should spend on each Excellent tip of the week. Everyone should see this cheat sheet. Everyone should leverage it. So love it, Shelley. All right, let's jump into the recruiting insights. The recruiting insights brought to you by Metova.
0: Shelley, are you tired of the same old outsourcing woes? Well, say hello to nearshoring. It's like outsourcing, but closer, and it won't make you pull your hair out.
1: Picture this. Top-notch IT talent from Latin America.
0: Many Latin American IT professionals have strong English language skills and even live in the same time zone. So no more midnight conference calls. Hallelujah. Plus, Latin America's growing tech ecosystem, strong educational institutions, and a pool of skilled IT professionals make it the perfect region for recruiting talent.
1: I have the perfect company that does this. The company's name is Mitova. They have local experts who handle everything from recruiting to HR support.
0: So why settle for the same old outsourcing blues when you can have the nearshoring party with Mitova? Look them up
1: at mitova.com and let's get the fiesta started. Shelley, mm-hmm. every year, Abcast comes out with the top recruiting trends on top. Of every quarterly report they have. And mm-hmm. I think they did a really good job with this. I actually included the link when we interviewed Andrew Flowers this week. But for every practitioner, I think there's tons of value. So let me jump into a couple of key ones that I want to discuss a little bit further. There's one, and it's trend number two. We talked about this on the podcast with Andrew, but I I do want to bring it up again. It's standing up positions and sitting down positions. So the trend this year is standing up positions will heat up, sitting down positions will slow down. Just to reiterate what a sitting down position is. So the laptop class, as uh, Elon and Andrew Flower describe it, is basically us, is people that are, working at a desk with their laptop, sitting down. Obviously, a lot of us have stand-up desks, but you're still a sitting-down employee even if you have a stand-up desk. And then we look at positions from hospitality to retail to doctors to trade, any role that is standing up. There's definitely a lot more opportunity going in this year, so it's something to be aware. If you're pivoting in your career or you're recruiting, expect to be very active in standing up roles. Trend number four was an interesting one, because recruiters will become more tech savvy as they adopt AI. Shelley, are you feeling there's a lot heavier adoption of AI within our talent acquisition recruitment friends?
0: I don't think it's a passing fad, as pointed out by trend number four. I think a lot of recruiters are now using chat GPT, if that's what you mean. Do I believe that since 2022, companies have gone out and bought technology that has AI? I don't think so. I don't. I think there is maybe algorithms being used in a lot of technology, but it's certainly shone a light on the fact that whatever algorithms or AI you are using currently in your applicant tracking system or anything else in your tech stack, we're just more aware of it. I don't know, Serge, the the trend is logical. You'll have to be more tech savvy as you adopt AI.
1: I think it's being used substantially more. And a lot of it is without them really doing anything. And what I mean by that is a lot of the vendors that they've used before AI are incorporating a lot of AI tools, some that are visible, some that are not. If you're leveraging job boards like ZipRecruiter, Indeed, you might not be aware, but there's AI being leveraged in some way. So I think what we're going to see is a lot of the tools they've been using are incorporating AI elements. Such Mm -hmm. as job description generators, candidate matching, all of these types of things are coming in play. So they're being forced positively or negatively to use AI because the vendors are as they're rolling out new features into the tools that we leverage on a day-to-day basis. So I completely agree with that. Trend number seven is one that I want to bring up. It's one that we've been talking a lot for many years. So employers must highlight their social responsibility footprint to attract Gen Z. I don't agree with this one. And I'll tell you why I don't agree. If you're looking at a lot of the employee value propositions out there, one of the things that every consultant will tell you, talk about social responsibility. This is what Gen Z is looking for. Maybe it is, right? But we got to remember, Gen Z, similar to the millennials, have grown in economies where there's been no recession. The last major recession we had was in 2007 to 2008. They've grown up in a generation of a labor mismatch where talent scarcity has been the case. They've been able to pick and choose a lot more of those roles. 2024 is not going to be that unless you are in those standing up rooms. So yeah, it's all great to talk about like we care about social responsibility. We care about diversity, equity, inclusion. But I'll tell you, when you haven't had a job in six months because you can't get hired, you don't give a fuck about those anymore. You need to get paid to be able to live. So I think we think about this way too much in an economy and a labor market that was 2022, 2021, absolutely, because everyone was competing for the same talent. I'm seeing this is going to drop. What's your thoughts here?
0: So I was immediately reminded of another study that came out in the fall that was for new grads, university new grads. And when you ask someone the question, ideally, what are you looking for? They will answer that they want organizations that have racial justice and sustainability and mental health, and we're looking after global poverty. That's ideally. But you're absolutely right, Serge. I do agree with you. When the rubber meets the road and you've been unemployed, for six months, because you're not prepared to work for a company that hasn't got an employer brand that promotes these things, there will come a time where you just need to work. And I love the line that you draw between when did they enter the workforce? What was happening economically? What was the availability of jobs? That plays into them publicly stating their preference.
1: Can you imagine your dad or my dad being like, did you choose to go work there because they cared about this subject or this particular social justice type of topic? They they didn't care. They, they just wanted to feed their family, right? But we're not in the same space. Obviously, the mm-hmm. labor market is different than it was then. But if we do head into a labor market that's a little bit more challenging, and I think we're seeing, it, especially with entry-level talent. Yeah, I don't think this is a
0: key consideration. Um, please, ideally, wrong, tell me. maybe. Yeah, in an ideal world, right? yes, of course. That yeah. yeah, in an ideal world, that's what I'd prefer. But let's talk about reality.
1: We've talked about uh, diversity, equity, inclusion quite a bit in the last little mm-hmm. while, and I mm-hmm. definitely think we're seeing a shift in the feelings of where we should go. And obviously, with affirmative action being shut down in the U.S., it's caused a brand new discussion. But I think. Appcast is right on this one. So trend number eight was employers will recommit to diversity, equity, inclusion with a new emphasis on belonging. Yeah. Bang on. It's what you talked about a couple of weeks ago when we talk about the inclusive part of it and having people feel that they're no matter where they're from, that they're part of that organization and that organization treats them the same way as they do mm-hmm. everyone else. I completely agree. I think this is where DEI is going. So, trend number 9, AI will become the job coach of the future, exposing employer branding inconsistencies. Oh, I 100% agree with this. I think a lot of the advice that is given out by job or career coaches is such bullshit. Generative AI, AI tools that work in this space that have tons of data of what the right way to approach a job is going to be more helpful than Susie that doesn't have a job and she wrote a resume once and it's a good resume so she created a whole career coaching with no experience, no idea of how it works in the back end. Yeah, I, I definitely see this as a trend that we'll see in this year. What's your thoughts on this one?
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Quite honestly, I think job seekers have always been at such a disadvantage because you're guessing. What are the benefits? Do I have to work weekends? Will they pay for relocation? What's it really like to yeah. work there? And now you can go to AI and, and it'll cough out exactly what's been gathered, what is public information, right? So what this said to me Is that if you're an employer brand, or if you're in talent attraction within an organization, you need to be aware of what's being said about your organization. And you need to get in there. You can't just sit back and go, ah, you know what, sour grapes. Because AI will be able to get that information for job seekers, and they'll decide whether or not you're a good company to work for. There's that, but there's also just
1: the aspect of, hey, resume writing. ChatGPT does as good a job as any career coach, in my opinion. I think there is a key here. Simplicity when it comes to your resume is actually more critical than pretty. And I think Generative AI can help you. The other thing that it can help you here is actually give you advice on that company, how to interview. There's so much data out there. This will definitely have an impact. The last one, and then we'll move on, So number 12 is in-person hiring events return with a bang and new efficiencies. Shelly, you seem excited about this one. What's your thoughts?
0: Oh, I think it's true. It's absolutely true because unlike job fairs where you are one of 30 organizations, hiring events on the other hand is where companies are actually going out with the intention to hire on that day. And so I see this as being huge this year. I, I think organizations have figured out that joining a job fair with the purpose of please go to our website and apply is just a terrible experience all the way around. Whereas now you can advertise events, have people come and hire people, interview them right there, have them register, get them screened. They've got a scheduled interview time. It really is much more effective and a way better experience than apply here and wonder if somebody's ever going to get back to you. I think it's great. I I love this idea. I really do. And I think this is where I'm trying to figure out
1: where the separation between in-person events and what it means, because a lot of people are going to take this as a job fair. I think where they're specifying here is, hiring events that's run by a company and only by that company. I've always been a big fan of it. Do as much of the legwork before, get them in. So you can actually, depending on the role, offer them right away. If you can get Mm -hmm. them in the door and they've set up all the pre-qualification, they're in a good position, hire them. So yeah, on that context, I think it's great. Job fairs are going to have a resurgence. They did last year. But I still think it's a bad idea. So that's my job personal opinion. Job are a bad
0: idea. Yes, I agree. Yes. But I think hiring so events Shell- are a great idea.
1: So Shelly, one yes. of the things that I also saw recently on X is a recruiter talking about revoking a job offer. and There was an interesting article by Susan Lucas, the evil HR lady, talking a little bit more in depth. But before I go and give you a little bit of history, do you think... You should ever revoke a job offer.
0: Yes, absolutely. Okay. There are circumstances where you should.
1: Okay, let me give You're you asking. this example. Then you can tell me if uh, he was right in revoking the job offer. This is by the random recruiter who I follow on X. Yesterday, I pulled a job offer from a candidate. I hate doing this, but sometimes it's necessary. Throughout the interview, the candidate claimed they were passive. were not actively interviewing. I checked this virtually every step of the way. After the final round of interview was conducted, I asked their interest level in the role. They said they accept the job offer if it was given to them. After I ran over the summary of what to expect. Mm-hmm. When the job offer actually came, they then said they were considering multiple offers and needed some time to think. Is it far-fetched for a candidate to have multiple offers and needs time to think? Of course not. Is it a red flag when you tell the recruiter and hiring manager you have nothing else going on? Would accept an offer then come out with this info out of nowhere? Basically, the person came back after they got the offer and saying they were concerning multiple offers. And because of that, the recruiter revoked the offer. What's your thoughts here?
0: That's a gutsy move. That is a really gutsy move. Because you know, in your heart of hearts, Serge, they're being dishonest. And anyone who's going to start a relationship with dishonesty, you know where this is headed. And I think it takes a lot of guts because the recruiter is very confident. The test close all the way through. And you're asking the questions and good recruiters document that I have asked several times. I got confirmation. I'd say the same thing about compensation. When I'm being transparent from day one, And asking all throughout the process, now that you've seen this, any changes, are you comfortable? Are you sure? Yes. And if they turn around at the 11th hour and have something completely contradictory, it it, to me is a clear indicator of dishonesty.
1: Interesting. I did not expect you to have that opinion. And I disagree with that opinion because there's a couple of things. Let's face it. Are you going to tell me every hiring manager they're doing an interview when they're saying it's a great place to work, they really think that? And the same for the candidate. The system is designed for us to not have a real conversation, right? Whatever you think about interviewing, you can be very altruistic, but we say things to get the job because we know if we say that, we will get the job. And if we say something else that they're not looking for, we won't get the job. And the same for the employer. They'll say things that are maybe sensationalized or exaggerated. It might be a little bit true, but there's a lot of stretching. And this happens in every interview. Shelly, it happens in almost every business discussion that you have with your boss. Are you being the real you all the time? If you are that person that argues about every little thing to your boss that you disagree with, and you're being honest. I don't think that's realistic. If you're telling me every interview, everyone is 100% legit, bullshit. I don't believe that. And the other thing in the interview process, think about the power that the employer has is be like, oh, no, I'm working with multiple companies. Do you think that they move that candidate forward? Because now there's a risk that if you move them forward, they won't take your job. Like, it's crazy for a job seeker being like, no, I'm interviewing with five different companies. You're going to get shot down. You're going to be eliminated from contention of that role when you go into it. So, there's a reason that people lie about it. And the other factor is maybe they didn't even have any other opportunities, but you're at the point now that, okay, it's real. You're getting a job offer. And you're saying that because you're trying to negotiate at that point. You've already crossed a hurdle of, okay, they want me. I've said everything right. But now we're down to reality. So yeah, I don't think they should have disqualified.
0: I do. And I'll stand by it, Serge, because I think what this is, somebody gave them really bad advice. Someone, in the job seeker circle said, you know what? Now's the time that you disclose this that you've got multiple offers as you start this back and forth. I think that is really bad advice because a good recruiter is going to say, okay, what are your other offers and with who I just need to know if you're at the final stage, then I can accelerate how quickly I can schedule interviews on my side. That's what's happening. And that's the only reason you're asking having competition for a candidate, especially top talent, Listen, if you want to stay in the game, you need to keep pace, or you will lose them. So you're not eliminated because you've got five other places you're interviewing. In fact, you need to be on top of your game as a recruiter. However, I still stand by the fact that this recruiter did their due diligence, did their test close, and the job seeker bullshitted. And I'm not going to play the game. So Shelly, on that note, we will agree. To
1: disagree, another great week. Thank you for everyone listening to the Recruitment Flex.
0: Thank you, Serge. Au revoir.
1: Shelly, let's face it. Texting candidates is the easiest way to hire quicker today. But your cell phone doesn't connect to your ATS. You're sharing your personal number with strangers. That's pretty scary, right, Shelly? And it's Mm. not even legally compliant.
0: Mm, This is where our friends at RecText come in. They've created simple yet powerful text recruiting software that works with your ATS. Plus, it's designed by recruiters for recruiters, so you know it works. To learn more and book a demo, visit www.rectxt.com. Mention the Recruitment Flex and get 10% off annual plans.